0: Welcome to Exploring Missions.
1: Connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs, across the world or
0: across town. And now, the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. When you think of missions, you always think of going because of the Great Commission, making, making disciples. Think of giving, uh, sending out. But one of the most important parts, if not the most vital part, is prayer. And so today on Exploring Missions, we're going to share with you something that you can do. I don't care who you are, where you are, you can be a part of the mission effort of carrying out the Great Commission around the world because of prayer. This is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper, and it's our joy to be with you. Uh, Nathan, when you think about praying in the power of the Holy Spirit, praying for God's glory one of the greatest things that glory has done is for his name to be shared among the nations.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, the glory of God is his name being recognized his name. And when we say the name, when we talk about God's name, we also mean his character and who he is, uh, the personal knowing of who God is, his greatness, his goodness. So, when we
0: speak of God's glory, it's people knowing God. Amen. And and He will receive all glory and power, and we thank God for that. So we want you to join us today. We hope it'll bless you, and you can see a vital part of being a man, a woman, a child of prayer. The Apostle Paul is known for many things: writing so much of the New Testament, uh, going on his missionary journeys. Standing for Christ in difficult times, but one thing that's looked over sometimes is Paul's prayer life and you brought this to my attention, Nathan. I had not realized I had not gone through Paul enough to look at all the times he prayed and uh getting ready for this study. I want to share with you it was impressive to see how prayer was such a vital part of what Paul was doing in his mission effort,
1: yeah, it really is and You know, you ask most people, give me one word that describes Paul. A lot of people would say missionary. Other people might say theologian, maybe writer. Most people probably would not say prayer, a person of prayer. But first and foremost, that's who Paul was. I want to read a quote for you from Gordon Fee. And Gordon Fee himself is a theologian, modern day and you can read some of his books, but he, he, in one of his books, he, he, he wrote this. He says, One of the most remarkable inconsistencies in the studies on Paul is that thousands of books exist that search every aspect of Paul's thinking, while only a few seek to come to terms with his life of prayer. Indeed, most people's understanding of Paul is limited to Paul the missionary or to Paul the theologian. But what is clear from Paul's letters is that he was a prayer before he was a missionary or thinker. Paul did not simply believe in prayer or talk about prayer. He prayed regularly and continuously and urged his
0: churches to do the same. When, when I read that quote and I started looking at the book of Acts and even the gospel, uh, excuse me, the epistles that he wrote, you see that. And uh, I knew I had prayed many of his prayers because especially the book of Colossians, that's the one that I have found out that's blessed me so much that they may be filled with a knowledge of the will of God for their life. Yeah, I, I, that prayer has been continually in my life since I studied it at Blue Mountain College in New Testament that I would pray that prayer that Paul had prayed for the Colossian church. But I kind of left it there and then pray the others. But he is a man of prayer. Some of God's greatest people have been men of prayer. George Mueller yes. who ran the orphanages in in Bristol, England. He is uh, in London, I should say London, Ashley Down orphanages, and he started it in 1836. And by 1870, there was 1,722 children that was in his orphanages, and he did not solicit help. He prayed for the help. And I remember hearing stories from preachers, and then I read it for myself, how they would be thanking God for the food and then there'd be a knock at the door, and there'd be a milkman or a baker or someone there who had been, you know, one time the milk truck broke down. It was pulled by horses in those days, but they had to do something with the milk, so they brought it to the orphanage, and that's how he operated. He operated by faith and by prayer, but he's not the only one, is he?
1: Yeah, there's also a guy named Praying Hyde, John Hyde. Born actually in Illinois, 1865, uh, his father was a Presbyterian minister. In 1892, he left America and went to India, to the uh, what is now pa- Pakistan and the Punjab area of India. But he was partially deaf, so he did not pick up the languages really well. And his first part of his ministry in India was not very fruitful. It, w- it was about four or five years before before anyone was ever saved through his preaching. And so that led him to wonder, what is going on? Why why is you know, why are people not responding to the gospel? And, and it drove him to his knees. And so he prayed so much that he would uh, miss meals, he would miss sleep, and he would just pray continuously for years and years until finally God, in powerful ways when a gr- groups of mission workers there in Pakistan, would come together and for, uh, for meetings. And God showed up and began a, what's called the Sialkot Revival. And it went on for years. In fact, so many years that John Hyde, because of how much he interceded and how much he spent time in prayer, his health had deteriorated. He actually came back to America and passed away, and the revival was
0: continuing. So, yeah, you have praying Hyde, what a name. <laughs> you know, we come up with nicknames for basketball players and football players and everyone, even NASCAR drivers. How about for those that are in the service to the Lord? Yeah. Pray and hide. Yep. Uh that would be that that would be some nickname quote. That's that, right. That is. Yeah,
1: and so today we want to look at Praying Paul. Amen. We want to kind of do a little Bible study over the the radio network with you today. So, I mean, you know, if you're capable, if you if you have a Bible nearby, just go ahead and grab that. And you could turn to the book of Acts because we're going to be looking through the story about Paul, but also his writings as well. So we kind of have two parts. The first part from Acts, we're going to be reading passages that describe that show Paul in prayer Okay, to show the significance of prayer in Paul's life. So, um, we're going to look in Acts chapter 13, and I want to read a few verses 1 through 3. Acts, Acts 13, 1 through 3. It says In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the tetrarch, and Saul. And that's Paul, it would become Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. For the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off.
0: So prayer was a very vital part. Notice they were worshiping already, and I guarantee you a part of that worshiping was prayer. Definitely. So the prayer was involved in them preparing them, and prayer was involved in sending them. I don't believe you know you can let that be not be a part of a major part of your life in missions for those that were left. I believe the Antioch church also continued to pray for them as they sent them away.
1: Definitely. And I mean, if you think about it, Antioch is the starting point, the launching place for Paul's mission work in his, all these journeys, and not just Paul, Barnabas and others as well. So the very beginning point of missions is prayer. You know, It launches us out.
0: Well, he continued, did he not? That's
1: right. And so let's go to Acts 14, chapter 14, verse 23 says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So this is the account of Paul coming back to Antioch after his first journey on his way back through each each city and town that he would. And go and preach, and he and Barnabas, and they would make disciples. They would come back through and uh, appoint elders, leaders in the in the local new church that was planted there.
0: It seems like not only was he praying for them, but he gave them an example on to pray. Your man Jesus, his apostles, said, teach us to pray. So it seems like Paul carries that ministry in his plans for missionary work, is to teach that church to pray. He demonstrated it, and then he required it.
1: Yeah, and notice that it was not just prayer, but it was also fasting. So what that tells me is that this wasn't a, okay, we've we've got these elders chosen. Let me say a quick prayer for you, and then I'll be on my way. There was some time, days, you know, lots of praying going on over these guys and, and for them and with them. So prayer is not just a a one one off thing, and you not and you a move one on. shot and done. That's right.
0: Well, he continues on in in Philippi uh, in Philippi, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, uh, Acts sixteen, chapter sixteen, verse twenty five. We know about Paul and Silas at this time. This is the next missionary journey, and they're in the prison in Philippi. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. So right there in the middle of their persecuted state, in prison, for sharing the gospel, there they are praying.
0: So in a difficult situation they pray. They pray before the difficult situations. But I found this too, praying and, praying and, praying and fasting, praying and singing. It it seems like prayer, you, you might worship here, but prayer's got to be a part of it. You're going to preach here, but prayer better be a part of it. You may be singing, but prayer must be a part of everything that we're doing. Do you catch that? That's yeah, it it's is it's like the bedrock in... of yeah, everything. Yeah, it really does.
1: So Paul would go on from Philippi. Of course, we know what happens there. The uh, the earthquake. God shakes the <laughs> prison walls and and allows Paul to leave, but he actually doesn't leave. At least, you know, escaping. The the Philippian jailer gets to hear the gospel uh, and, and the whole household there. So if
0: We need a few earthquakes when we pray, don't we? <laughs> yeah.
1: Chapter 20, he's at Ephesus? That's right. He's actually leaving Ephesus for the last time, actually on his way to Jerusalem. And so the elders there in Ephesus, he's meeting with them, and he's saying farewell to them for the last time. Uh, this is Acts chapter 20, verse 36. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. So really short, simple verse, but there's a lot of emotion, a lot of tears, a lot of spiritually going on with this.
0: You know, I think they were saying, what are we going to do without you? When someone's been there, he, he stayed at Ephesus longer than any other place yeah, that we have. Probably recorded. closer
1: relationships. Just yeah. On a human. I mean, level. it just
0: it happens with people. And so the the misery. So. In difficult times when people are taken away, for whatever reason they're taken away, maybe death, it may be a military service, it may be missional service, what a time to do it is prayer, seeking God. And sometimes it's praying and weeping. Here we have praying and singing, here we have praying and weeping, don't we? It was,
1: and, you know, Paul pretty much had an idea somewhat of what awaited him in Jerusalem. He knew it was going to be hardship, and everyone pretty much knew that they were not going to see Paul again here. What also is going on just beyond that is that here's the apostle, here's the missionary, the church planter, who began this work in Ephesus, and now they're ultimately cutting ties from him, not not in a in a bad way, but in a way that, okay, it's all, it's, it's you guys work now. You know, the elders, you, you you run with this from now on. And that's what missionaries do. They, they don't go to stay, they go to leave. Yeah. They go to see a work happen, and then they turn that work over to the indigenous leaders there.
0: You know, I couldn't help but think, the people of Antioch was praying for Paul as he left. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus as he leaves. Yes. So praying, coming and going and staying. It's a matter of prayer.
1: It is. And I, I think this is a, a point to make, whether you're in a local church or in a ministry, in, in some su- sort of situation, most, honestly, the most difficult thing in a lot of churches and a lot of ministry work is raising up new leaders. It's, there seems to be a void or a vacuum in the Western church of seeing new, mature, strong leaders being raised up and ready to take on the you know the the work from those that went on before them. If that's the case, if you're in a place where you're not sure who's gonna run behind you and, and who's gonna take things and, and go with it through the next generation, spend time in prayer. I think that's the that's the answer. That's the lesson here is prayer is the key for leadership development. Pray up the new workers. Pray up the new
0: leaders. Well, he moves on, as Paul does. As you said, he comes to leave, and uh, but he continues the work, doesn't he? Yeah, and he? this is
1: just the same sort of scenario, but this is closer to Jerusalem. So Paul leaves Ephesus. He's going through Tyre, which is just north uh, of Jerusalem uh, there in Syria. And so in Acts 21, verse 5, it says, But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way, All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach we knelt to pray. So again, another farewell.
0: And again, this is quick. Ephesus, a lengthy period of time. This period, just a short period of time. But what did they have in common? They have that in common of praying and seeking the Lord. And so no matter what situations you are in missionally, no matter what situations you may be in emotionally, socially, bombard heaven with, with your prayers. So,
1: Jerusalem is uh, Paul's target, and he makes it there in Acts 22. And so, he, we know the story of what happens, and he actually retells the story of what happens to him after he is uh, arrested. And so, that's what he's doing in Acts 22, verse 17. He's, he's telling about when he got to Jerusalem. He says, When I returned to Jerusalem, And was praying at the temple. I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said to me, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. So, Paul, when he got to Jerusalem, where did he? He made a beeline for the temple. What did he do there? He prayed. Not only did he speak and proclaim the gospel, but he prayed.
0: And he saw what God wanted him to do. He is in a trance. You know, when you see that word, I think of the word transfixed, trans. And, and I honestly believe that that can happen. you seeking God so much that you're transfixed on the word of God, God's Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. Sometimes it'll be a promise. Here it was a warning, you know. And, and so in praying, you're going to get a lot of help, Nathan. Here he got help. By warning. So many times you want to spend time in God in difficult situations, especially missions, because there's going to be some difficult places and there's even going to be dangerous places. And you want to have that prayer life caught up so God can speak to your heart immediately. So,
1: speaking of dangerous places, Paul, of course, is arrested in Jerusalem. He appeals to Caesar. And so they're going to ship him as a prisoner to Rome. And so we know what happens on the way. There's a shipwreck, and they they get to an island that's called Malta. And so in Acts 28, verse 8, Paul, while he's waiting on the seas to change and the ship to be repaired and all the things that have to happen before they can continue their journey to Rome, he's not just sitting and doing nothing. He's actually ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit And so, in Acts 28, verse 8, it says about this chief official named Publius, in verse 8, his father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him.
0: So, here we have praying and healing. It's amazing how many things accompany prayer. Yes. Prayer moves the heart of God, and it matters to God, Nathan. I mean, God's heart is moved when people pray. And and does it mean God changes his mind? I, I don't want to go into that theological question, but I know it moves the heart of God to see what people are doing and their needs, and it matters. God desires for his people to be people of prayer. Paul was one of those men who was a praying man.
1: Amen. You see, on every missionary journey,
0: Paul, the key— element in Paul's work was prayer. We start here in Antioch, and we finish the book of Acts in chapter 28, and praying is all the way through it, from start to finish.
1: So not only was prayer key in Paul's missionary work, it was also key in his, what you would say, his theology in writing of, of these letters to the New Testament churches. And so we want to take a look at what Paul, not only, uh, you can do a lot of studying on what Paul taught about prayer, the significance of prayer and how he taught people to pray. But we want to look more specifically at some of the prayers of Paul or what he mentions about praying for people in some of his letters. So
0: why don't you start in Romans chapter 15, and we're going to look at some of Paul's prayers. Verses 5 and 6 says this. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse 13 says of that same chapter, Romans 15, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit sure does seem connected with the praying and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what God reveals, doesn't it?
1: It does. I mean, Paul's praying for unity for the church there in Rome. He's praying that they'll experience the joy and peace that comes in Christ. So it would be a lot of comfort to someone, a a new believer in Rome, to hear that Paul is praying these things for you. And it's kind of an invitation to join in that prayer, you know.
0: Years ago when George W. Bush was president and they was interviewing him, said, what's the most meaningful thing that occurs? And he said, when people come up to me and they tell me, I'm praying for you. And that's, that's the world leader Abraham Lincoln was talking about. Many times I have been driven to my knees. That was during the Civil War, Nathan. Driven to my knees, having nowhere else to go. And that's the vital part of prayer. If you go there in the times when you don't have to, when you really have to, you go there. It becomes a part of who you are. Whatever is commonplace in your life under stress, that's what you usually revert to. Some people eat. Some people, they even, you know, I've heard people take smoking back up after they quit smoking, but under stress, they start doing it again. Make prayer that vital part that you do. And so when the stress and the difficulty comes, it drives you to your knees in prayer.
1: So, also in Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to read verses 15 through 23. Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus has, you talked about Colossae having a lot of prayers. Ephesus has a lot of prayers. Paul is writing kind of as an elderly grandfather to the church that he he wasn't going to see again. So he wrote to them, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything
0: in every way. What a prayer. <laughs> what a prayer. I mean, you, you feel like you're on Mount Everest, you know, high up. And that's why Ephesians so much is is the book of Romans and the book of Ephesians are so in their presentation of who Christ is and even hear about our approach to God and what he does for us.
1: So he continues in, in his prayers even in the book of Philippians,
0: right? He does. Philippians chapter 1 and uh, verses 3 through 6 says this, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident. Here's one of people's life verses. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it under the day of Jesus Christ. He, he's going to complete that work. I, I want this said about me. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I've heard that so much, but uh, that's a great testimony, and the church at Philippi was talking about the church at Antioch being a prayer group of people. I believe the church at Philippi was the same way. It was kind of like Antioch and Philippi were those foundational churches that Paul could depend on no matter when, where, or how, but it continues on in verses 9 and 12 of Philippians 1. It says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. He wasn't complaining, was it? He was praising God. That's right. So
1: we need to take Paul as a model in prayer, in our mission work, in our witness, in our outreach, in our sharing the gospel, but also in our life, life together in the church with being unified with one another and just day to day looking to Jesus for power and for strength and for wisdom and for life. Prayer is the essential key, the essential element to what we do.
0: Praying, that is important in exploring missions. Be on mission for God, wherever you may be, and be a prayer warrior.